Um, one quick conversation we're going to have here. Back in 2016, you've heard this concept before. There was an urban planner in Europe came up with the idea of a 15-minute neighborhood, 25-minute cities, 30-minute cities. You've heard the concept, right? Um, ever since then, it's really been part of it's fallen into the modern day culture wars that we, we love to engage in, right? The idea has been tied to the theory that I'm not, I'm not really sure to be honest, something like it won't just be a, a, a method of convenience. We'll be confined to it. Or, or, or I, I don't know. There's shadowy figures at, at play here that whatever, whatever the case may be to most people, to myself, for example, it sounds like pretty much what we've always called neighborhoods. Like, I, I don't think it's really that radical of a concept. Um, you know, it's a pretty good idea. Who wouldn't like having everything that you need on a daily basis nearby? But whatever, uh, it's fallen into the, the culture war realm for some people, and, and that war will rage on as these wars do. But there are real-world issues with the concept as it's currently laid out and being adopted and, you know, being endorsed by certain people around the world. But um, what kind of concerns does it present for certain parts of our population? Because, you know, it's not all that inclusive if you think about it in some ways. We're going to have a chat now with uh, Ronald Norman Buehling, who is a professor in the Department of Geography, Geomatics, and Environment at the University of Toronto. Uh, Ronald, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me. I mean, for me, first of all, <laughs> these 15-minute cities or 15-minute neighborhoods or whatever, to my thinking, like I say, it's a variation on what we've always had. You know, we had neighborhood schools, neighborhood doctors, neighborhood groceries, whatever the case may be. So the concept really, to me, existed far before 2016, right? Yeah, I mean, if, you know, if we go back far enough, uh, of course, our, our cities um, were a, a bit tighter and uh, we moved around actually <laughs> under our own power uh, using animal transport and and so on and so forth. And things were just simply closer together in part because the technologies of mobility uh, kind of wouldn't let them be uh, developed further apart. Um, and of course, um, before 2016, people have been writing about <clears throat> um, various urban planning concepts that would have us have the things that we want to access on a regular basis relatively close by. And I, I actually think it's a wonderful idea. Well, I, I, I do, too. I mean, I, I understand that there's all kinds of different elements that have been injected into it. I don't think any of them are true, personally. I, but for me, it sounds like a great concept. Let's put everything that you need on a daily basis in one area. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't think that's a good idea? But there are some issues, right? Because like you say, mobility is a big part of this. And we talk about yeah. being walkable, right? We, we're, or yeah. maybe, but that doesn't apply. There are some people who don't have that mobility, right? And do we overlook that? factor when we're talking about these concepts yeah so um you know uh for example transportation urban transportation uh transportation in general has long been a challenge for uh disabled persons or persons with a disability however you um go about saying that and uh you know one of my concerns uh was simply that uh, uh in the early writing about the concept um there was a lot of talk about walking and, and biking and it sort of the sense that people understand uh, walking and biking uh, to to sort of occur in cities, what we mm -hmm. sort of see people doing around us, and you know, <clears throat> um, having things closer is 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 a great thing for uh, disabled persons. But the the issue in part is like, okay, things are closer now, but are they designed in such a way that people can access those things that are closer? So, 
um, you know, in my family situation, my daughter uh, uses a power wheelchair, mm-hmm. and one, and we actually live in one of these highly walkable neighborhoods with all kinds of wonderful uh, transit and uh, cycling and walking infrastructure around. But her biggest complaint is that she can't get into all of the uh, places where she wants to go. So fine, let's put things together. That's a great idea. It creates the opportunity for us to move around in different ways, which kind of um, is good for us. It's good for the planet and so on. But let's also make sure that disabled persons are left behind in the design conversation. Yeah, is that happening? I mean, you're right. Like, I, I, it didn't occur to me until I was reading the piece that you put together in the conversation, and I was, and I was like, wow, this is a really eye-opening perspective that hadn't occurred to me. Is it being overlooked at a, at a larger scale? I mean, my, my thinking is that if we're not having that conversation about how disabled persons are, are going to uh, be part of the planning conversation from the very start, then they're probably not going to be well represented in the end um, when things are built. And, you know, I, I uh, you know, there's a, there's a fantastic, you know, I think we're at a point in, in the history of uh, the regulation of accessibility where there, there's a lot that's out there, uh, the you know, code that builders have to follow. Um, uh, provincial and municipal uh, regulations and so on and so forth. And, and all of that is great, but that doesn't mean that, you know, just because it's there that all of the work is done. And, um, and some of the uh, regulations tend to emphasize particular types of disability. Uh, sometimes things get lost in translation from the uh, sort of regulatory design to build um, in, the, in the regulatory design to build process. Um, we're kind of uh, facing a, a, a story like that in, in the city of Toronto right now where uh, sort of a bike lane was um, um, installed at grade with a sidewalk with some textured surface to demarcate the use, mm-hmm. but uh, it still presents a significant barrier for blind pedestrians. Okay. So, I mean, and now now it's going to have to be addressed after the fact. Is that typically how we go about this? Like you say, and I think it's important to get out in front of this and try and have this be part of the planning, but it seems to me it's often an afterthought. And, and it's sort of like, oh, we need to do this now rather than doing it ahead of time. Well, I mean, it's very clear that our, uh, it, it, you know, disability is, is if, we, if we look across our cities and we think about retrofit and so on, disability has historically been, a, been a, an afterthought, yeah. which is why retrofit is necessary, which is why we have to have regulation that says that, that allows for environments to be built, that allows disabled persons to access their human rights regarding access to service and so on. Um, at the same time, we, we do have forward, uh, 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 forward-looking um, um, moments in planning and so on where, where we're building out access uh, in and accessibility and, and new builds. You know, the, the uh, uh, Toronto Transit Commission um, has a, has a uh, multi-year uh, accessibility plan. They're retrofitting existing uh, subway stations. These are significant infrastructure projects, significant level of investment. Um, to build uh, elevators in stations, and then new stations, by law, have to be accessible. Um, all of that accessibility infrastructure, though, tends to emphasize the experience, um, tends to emphasize, but not entirely, the experiences of uh, folks with physical mobility. Our uh, local subway station recently had a, an elevator installed, and it was quite transformative for how we uh, were able to get around in our, in our neighborhood. Yeah, and it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Ronald, uh, it's it's a great perspective, and I appreciate you joining us to talk about it today. Thank you so much.